Hello, heroes and dreamers. I'm Peaches, your host today on Campbell's Corner. How would you advise somebody to tap that spring of eternal life, that joy that is right there? Well, we're having experiences all the time, which uh, uh, may, on occasion, render some sense of this, a little intuition of where your joy is. Grab it. No one can tell you what it's going to be. I mean, you've got to learn to recognize your own depths. Welcome again, explorers, to Campbell's Corner. I'm your host, Peaches, and today I have a great guest, good friend, fellow compatriot of all things fantastical, Jazzbot. What's good? What's good? Peaches, oh my god, we're finally in the booth together. We are. And yeah, we are. It's, yeah. I'm excited. I'm I'm particularly excited that you came up with this topic for us to go over. We're doing things a little bit differently compared to the last episode. Um, we're going to be delving into a topic, something that is both near and dear to both of our hearts. Dragons. Dragons. <laughs> I have to put like a flame explosion sound in there. It's going to happen. Yeah. So as I've told you, but I'm going to remind the audience, uh, we are going to be sharing stories with each other. And then at the end, we'll talk about it and talk about how maybe dragons are a personal love of ours. And maybe other people in the, in the universe can also share amongst themselves. (laughs) Absolutely. So, would you care to go first? Sure, yeah. Lay it on me. So, um, as far as dragon mythology goes, I want to say it all started with those dang ology books. (laughs) Wizardology, dragonology, Mm -hmm. Everywhere in all the Barnes and Nobles and Hastings. Yes, and so, um, to begin with, that book just completely altered the course of my little tween brain existence i had to know more i had to research it gripped your heart and didn't let go never i i even had the one with the the pop-up the little yeah yeah uh, yeah. puppet cardboard puppet one that's right where you put your fingers through and then you can oh oh my gosh i forgot about that that and the and the cardboard mobile hanging ones oh my god yes good stuff good stuff but anyways, why is this relevant? <laughs> so this got me um, down a rabbit hole of researching just, you know, myth, history, and backstories behind different dragons. And I think one of the most influential ones that stuck out to me were the four great dragons or the four great rivers of China. And for me, when I was learning about that, I was like, oh, this is what I would think of the most uh what would normally come to mind dragon like a like an east asian serpentine majestic creature so i had to learn Mm -hmm. more and essentially this is a folk story that originates out of Sichuan, china and it is a very old folk tale and it involves a black yellow pearl and long dragon i won't go through the entire ballad of the story but (laughs) Essentially, the idea was that um, these dragons were to be banished to become mountains and encased so that their power and greatness could not 
overwhelm and for their love of the people that they were a part of in, in this time, they decided we're going to be rivers. To heck with mountains. <laughs> rivers. I want to flow, man. <laughs> I want to give back to the people. So all four of these dragons um, essentially mutinied against their intended destiny and for the love of humanity became the four great rivers of China. Awesome. Yeah. I like too how Chinese dragons and I mean just Asian dragons in general seem to be so different compared to like Western dragons, the idea of a dragon in general, because like Asian dragons are they're always very kind and very wise and they're always concerned about giving gifts and that kind of thing, which is interesting and quite the departure from Western dragons. Cause like, you know, in England it's like, ah, there's a fire breathing and all they do is destroy and all this other stuff, which is interesting. Yeah. So yeah. It's really crazy to see the, the like complete opposite ends mm -hmm. of that. And I, I also wonder if there's in-betweens too everywhere, if there's tricksters or right. um, neutral. What if, right? what if there are hermit dragons? Oh, just, there's got to be. You just want to read. If anybody and... out there knows of a hermit dragon, let us know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, and so the story that I bring is about... I don't, I, I don't know if it was it would be considered a, a neutral dragon, but it is kind of like a in the middle of these kind, wise dragons and these forces of destruction. And mine is the Watata. I'm probably pronouncing that terribly. Watata. Watata. Um, and it's from South America, kind of um, Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina. Um, and so... Different legends have been recorded about this creature. And, I mean, some people are like, oh, it's just a giant snake. It's an anaconda or stuff like that. But, I mean, and or and it's very tight. And it's very closely tied to will-o'-the-wisps, which are from European mythology, I believe. Aren't those like a part of the fae? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. They're very much like tied to... Um, showing people things or kind of like leading people down a path or stuff like that. Um, sometimes being spirits or hauntings or stuff like that. But yeah, mostly you see it out in the wilderness. And if you follow it, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, same thing with this, but this is a little bit more ominous. Um, the Boitata. Um, Boitata? Boitata? I am... So sorry, it's being butchered. Um, but so I'll tell you the story. So it is said that at one time, the jungle was accompanied by darkness and floods that never ended. All the animals left for higher ground. There was a snake that lived deep in a dark cave that stayed in the lowlands because he could see in the dark. The snake emerged from his cave and looked around and saw dozens of lights shining brightly back at him from the darkness. As he got closer, he realized. Thanks, Oklahoma traffic. <laughs> I will say for this one, I will. That is going to be insanely difficult to cut out unless I have like. I'm going to back up. <laughs> though, though, no, we can have spooky background music. I mean. So it's an option if that happens. I do again. enjoy spooky background. Yes. I'll back up. 
and I mean, you can still add the spooky background. <laughs> uh, the snake emerged from his cave and looked around and saw dozens of lights shining brightly back at him from the darkness. As he got closer, he realized that the lights were in fact the eyes of the dead animals looking back at him. Oh my. Animals that had been caught up in the flood or stuff like that or sick and just died on the journey to the highlands. Um, being hungry, he decided to take advantage of both the chaos of the fleeing animals and those that were already dead. He gorged himself on the parts of the animals that he loves the most, their eyes. After eating so many eyes, the light held inside them made the snake's eyes become bright like two suns. He, er, his body eventually becomes engulfed in flames as the power consumes him and he dies in a great burst of light that escaped to the sun, thereby ending the days of darkness. Watata's spirit returns to protect the Amazon and can sometimes be seen as a beam of fire flying over the sky or as two fiery eyes glowing in the night. Bro. Right? That is awesome. So and he's like terrifying. this, right? He's this protector of the of the forest. And I mean, in a sense, I guess he's sort of in between the Western, the idea of Western dragons and the idea of Eastern dragons. Lots Maybe. of lots of mystery. I, after we started talking about this more, I, I also kind of just realized because, sure, every dragon's going to have a different lore from mm. whatever region it originated. But now I'm starting to think it. I think all dragons are protectors of something, whether it's knowledge, souls, wealth, or any. Any other young maidens? Thing. Yeah, especially. <laughs> a gold horde. <laughs> right. So it's like I think True. that might be a common theme is that there's like some guardianship there of of whatever value is deemed in society at the time. That I uh, yeah oh. I like that. <laughs> Using big brain. No, I mean that that does make sense. I mean, golden and young virgins were very. <laughs> sought after <laughs> and at a time knowledge and progression and, mm -hmm. and, and the, keeping the forest safe all the all this other stuff yeah i mean that makes sense i guess if you ever need a gauge on society just look at what kind of dragons what's your mythology say about you yes yes <laughs> interesting very interesting so i know we we talked about um you know just some mythology story or that you like um but what's something personal that you hold near and dear to you that has to do with dragons that you kind of, that you, you carry it with you and it's always there in the back of your head that kind of just lives there rent-free? I think for me, so when I was young, I was an avid reader and of course, what bookworm wasn't going to read Tolkien right. at some point in their life? Um, so when I read The Hobbit the first time, I think that really solidified for me, like, the overall concept of a dragon. Sure, you'd see them in cartoons or fairy tales, and, um, you'd see them in, you know, TV, magazines, whatever. Um, and for me, I was like, wow, there's, like, so many different variations, there's so many different versions. Well, what is, what is my version of a dragon and then so i read the hobbit and of course uh 
I was just like taken aback by Smaug. Like mm. just the reckoning that was reading this torrential force of destruction. And I guess for me, why it's so meaningful is not because it was like my first like fangirl for a bad guy. <laughs> mm. But I was like, wow, this is how aside from eating people and setting things on fire, I should live my life proudly. Like Smaug. Right. Yes. I should start introducing things about myself that I should be proud of like he does. Because he, he starts talking about like my scales are like three shields. My claws are like spears. All this other stuff. It's like, dang, guy. Like, yes. yeah, like I should. My hair is super shiny like uh, a mirror or, you know, <laughs> or something. Mirror, but yeah. I should start. I should pick out things. And I'm like, yeah. My glasses sit upon my nose like a proud something, <laughs> whatever. We should start, I agree, we should start talking about ourselves like that more. Our stairs can curdle the hearts of <laughs> men and all the enemies before us. None shall defeat our reign of terror. <laughs> yes, I am a thousand percent into this. I think we should go forth and, and conquer. We live our best smile lives. We live our best smile lives, hashtag. <laughs> mm. Yes. Now I want to yassify smog and make some memes. Here we go. <laughs> so, in your head, when you were reading The Hobbit, how did you imagine smog? Because I, my first interaction of, or my first introduction of smog was watching the. 1970 whatever uh movie mm -hmm. the with the beautiful watercolors and the and the all that stuff um so how did i mean did it differ from that or so funnily enough i actually i believe i watched the movie first as well mm -hmm. as a kid because my mom had them and she really liked them when she was young they're so awesome they really are like the, the whole series is just perfect but um so I did see the original, and I guess not the original, but the movie interpretation at the time. And he, he kind of reminded me of a cat. Like he was very, right? like just kind of feline and mm -hmm. had these big whiskers and stuff. But, I mean, he did have hair. Yeah. Which I thought was like, I remember seeing that going like, what? Dragon has, dragons have scales. That, right? I mean, they're like reptiles. They're, yeah. They're not, they don't, they don't have fur. Yeah, it definitely gave me kind of more like a like almost like a grim fairy tale vibe at that point. It was mm. more whimsical than terror. Mm. But um so usually if I watch the movie before I read the book, it kind of sears into my mind this predetermined interpretation that someone else had. Mm. But for some reason, the original depiction just didn't reach me in a way to where it stuck with me. So when I read the book, a few years later after I had seen the movie, um, for some reason, I mean, just it's an attestment to Tolkien's writing capability, but like I was just able to repaint him in my head as this much more like grand and rage filled, just monster of this guy. And I'm really glad that I was able to do that because nowadays, um, what will happen is I will read a book and I will have this predetermined depiction in my head and then I go see the movie and I get really mad. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't change it now. It doesn't make any sense. It's not what I thought. <laughs> so I was able to really tap into my imagination and build something greater. Yes. I love books just for that very reason. Um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, that, yeah, I would agree. I think that my head depiction of him from reading the book was definitely didn't include fur, <laughs> which... I mean, I kind of, now that I've grown up and I've, I can appreciate why they're, you know, why they chose that stylistic choice, I kind of have started putting fur on my dragons just because I think it's cool and interesting. And it's like, ooh, it's like putting feathers on dinosaurs. Yes. It's like, that's a fun new way to think yeah, about it. I kind of enjoy that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or like the, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. I think that movie was a, a one that I carry around with me. And then, um, What's the Hayao Miyazaki um, oh, Spirited yeah, Away? Oh, yeah, that one's great, too. I think of the the water. or Haku, the yeah well, yeah, well, him, but also the dragon that she, the, uh, he was the goo monster, like the muck-covered guy, oh, and then yeah. she gave him the bath, and then when he came out, she had this intense moment with this ancient being, and it, he was terrifying, and but also just amazing and wonderful at the same time. And I remember watching that and being, you know, scared out of my mind, but also just like kind of like how she acted in the movie, like just standing there silent and in awe and just like, oh my gosh. And that guy had fur too, so hey. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really cool depiction of a dragon because I remember like he was mostly water. He was like a river spirit. He was a, yeah, that's and, right. And I remember his mask just scaring that absolute Dickens out of me as a kid. Right? I was like, is this guy a bad seed? <laughs> but no, he was just happy because, you know, he got... Yeah. And then he left laughing, which yes. I thought was hilarious and wonderful and also still terrifying. Right? Like, I have more questions than answers now. Right? But it was just like, that's one of those moments where you're like, I was just touched by magic or something similar. But it just, it feels like you're touched by magic. Anyways. So, yeah. Um, this has been lovely. Yes, this is great. This <laughs> I think is... that, you know, next time, I mean, we've got a, a slew of topics coming your way. And I think that what we <laughs> learned from this is there's many different kinds of dragons. I mean, share with us what you think and hashtag live your best smog life. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Smog life. Peace. Smog life. <laughs> This chapter of Campbell's Corner was brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform. 